You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You know, at the end of the day, football is football. All Patriots, all, all the time. Ooh, that, that, that's spicy. All Patriots, all, all the time. Welcome to, 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 to First and Foxborough. It is Tuesday, July 18th. That means we are one week from veterans reporting to Patriots training camp. As a matter of fact, rookies have already reported today. Real football is right around the corner. You can almost taste it in the air. It's the most wonderful time of the year where hope springs eternal for every NFL team. Everybody's going to win a Super Bowl and simultaneously be better than you think at the same time. Um, It's funny how that works. Everybody's both over and underrated. I'm Kyrie Thompson, Patriots beat reporter for WEEI.com and your host of the first in Foxborough podcast powered by Odyssey. Download, subscribe, listen on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me at Katie Thompson 5 on Twitter and follow the show at first in Foxborough, F-O-X-B-O-R-O on Twitter and Instagram. Back to business. We've seen projections all over the map about the New England Patriots from finishing third in the AFC East to winning 12 games and the division. We've seen people call Mac Jones a sneaky MVP candidate, while others think he'll struggle because of his supporting cast and this odd coaching arrangement the New England Patriots are trying to employ with the loss of Josh McDaniels. But there's one thing everyone can agree on. We're all worried about the cornerbacks. Nobody's particularly excited about that. Anyway, I'm chatting with somebody today who's been trying to set some more reasonable expectations for Mac Jones and the rest of this team to cut through some of the outside noise, which is something that I always appreciate very, very much. He is Connor Orr, staff writer for Sports Illustrated and the Monday Morning Quarterback, and you can hear him on the Monday Morning Quarterback podcast. How you doing today, Connor? Thanks for joining me, man. I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I am doing excellently. The whole wrangling children thing and also trying to report on the NFL and do podcasts and all that every single day. It it, it definitely turns the brain to mush a little bit, Um, but, you know, it it hasn't shut my mouth off. So, I mean, I'm, you know, okay on that score. How about you? 
Yeah, you know, I think uh, I, I think it'll be fun to tell my p- kids when they're older that they've talked to a lot of head coaches and GMs and, uh, you know, assistant coaches, and they just don't realize that they've just been in the background screaming uh, the whole time. So that's uh, uh, they've already got, had some really exciting conversations that they're not aware of yet. You know, that that's funny, actually. Um, my daughter has definitely been on Zoom calls with Bill Belichick, uh, but again, <laughs> it did not know that uh, at the time. But OK, let's get to some football talk. Uh, before we go too far down the rabbit hole. So look, you put together um, last week, I believe it was, some rather reasonable, again, you know, theme of the day, reasonable expectations for all of these second year quarterbacks. And your best case outlook for Mac Jones, I think feels a little bit rosier even than a lot of people around uh, here, even in the media are kind of thinking, obviously fans think he's going to be amazing. And, you know, he, he could, he could be awesome top 10 quarterback, but I think some people around here are still kind of down on the, um, the offensive coaching staff and, and the, and the receiving core, but, um, you put to, in this projection that you think he could throw for over 4,000 yards, which I think is perfectly reasonable given what he did last year, 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and a little bit of, mythos as as you put it i'm i'm I'll, we'll get to that part later but i'm i'm interested in what makes you confident that jones is going to meet those expectations with all of the stuff surrounding him well i think uh right if it wasn't for that bills game uh the monday night game he would have thrown for over 4000 yards last year i think that cuz right he finished i think at like 3800 or something like yeah, that it was like 3800 yeah, yeah. And you literally took the ball out of his hands for an entire start. So, uh, you know, I think I, I don't think that number is unreasonable. Um, the reason I'm somewhat bullish on Mac, I guess you could say, is that this has always been, even when Tom was here, a ball control offense. Um, and they've never really, and, and yes, yeah, Tom Brady elevated the players around him, but they've always used their receivers to, you know, to create the space and not, from a skill position standpoint, right? They want technicians as route runners. They want them in certain places. And through that, regardless of whether you're Randy Moss or somebody else, you're going to create the the space that you need to be able to make the throw you're supposed to make. And so I, that's why I've never really panicked about playmakers when it comes to Bill Belichick. And I'm interested in the, in the coordinator thing. I think it's, uh, you know, could it be, you know, uh, one of his failings as a coach? Sure. I mean, y- yeah. I mean, it could be Bill Belichick thinking that he can replace anybody with anybody and have it work. But I like the idea of having two coaches who you have absolutely zero um, tendencies on calling plays. I, th- I think that's really, uh, I think that's a good thing um, because people can look back at, at whatever you've done and pull it up in an instant. Like, okay, what is he calling third and 10? I know exactly what he's going to call in third and 10. Um, you know, these coaches have no, I mean, they're defensive coaches, special teams coaches. So I, you know, I, I I'm kind of interested to see how this goes. I think it could go well. And it, it's interesting because I I'm in the camp of, I feel like this could be one of those storylines that we look at after the season and be like, you know, maybe we really oversold that, like how important it was going to be. Um, though I, I think it's interesting, right? You point out the the lack of of kind of tendencies and, and the lack of, you know, book that other teams are going to have on them. I think that most people would look at that on the other side and say, well, they've never done this this way. Like they never called plays. And 
you know, like kind of why wouldn't you hire a coordinator from the outside that's actually been an offensive coordinator? Like if you weren't going to do Bill O'Brien and my thought there is like, look, continuity is probably the biggest key here. If you're going to lose Josh McDaniels, at least have a couple of people that are going to, you know, more or less keep things the same, not change things up too much instead of like bringing in an Adam Gase who like maybe has his own playbook. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, if there's, there's, you know, tension in there with him trying to bring in something new. So I, I can see it. I don't know that I, I'm quite sold on it going well, but I don't know that it's going to be horrible. Right now. One thing I found really interesting about, your projections on this, and it's something that I've thought about a lot, is the lack of times last year where they really let Matt go for it when it was like fourth and three down to the wire, right? When when they had opportunities, for example, in, in the in the Tampa Bay game to maybe win that game it was like a fourth and two, fourth and three. And, you know, Mac Jones had been pushing the ball down the field. And instead of letting him try and, and get a little closer to the field goal, they opt for the field goal. It's like 57 yards and they miss it. Maybe could have tied slash won that game. And you are looking at this like, you know what? I think Mac Jones needs a little bit more mystique about him in, in terms of game-winning drives and being able to build up more of that rapport. So, I mean, with that, how much of an opportunity do you think that Bill Belichick is going to give him to do that this year as opposed to last year? Are they really going to take the reins off this kid? No, but, you know, I, I would be interested to go back with what we know about Mac Jones now and kind of put that lens on Tom Brady's early career because um, it's always been a conservative offense. It's always been um, a ball control offense. And outside of maybe some of the legendary, um, you know, fourth down conversion attempts that he made, uh, that you're, there was that one game against Indianapolis that stands out um, during the Tom Brady era, you know, the one that everyone kind of talks about. And I think Belichick defended pretty aggressively in his post game. Right. Um, you know, I think the reason that was such a big deal at the time is because it was so out of character for him, you know? And so I think that Belichick has always preferred, uh, you know, field position has always preferred to, you know, kind of win the game uh, in the, in the, in the macro sense, right. In the long term, And so I think that while Mac will get fewer opportunities than maybe some other quarterbacks to create that that legendary status, I mean, I, I think that the ones that seem sensible from a percentage standpoint that seem makeable, I think you got to give him some of that just because, you know, at some point you have to step out of the shadow, you know, and I know that Belichick has been cognizant of that. I think that was a big reason that they brought in Cam Newton the year that they did because they knew that Cam could handle the idea of replacing Tom Brady. Um, but at some point, Mac Jones is going to have to become Mac Jones and just not the guy after who was there before. And, uh, you know, you can couch that as saying, ah, it's irrelevant. It'll just happen over the course of a season. But I think I think Belichick's smart enough to know that you do have to create those moments for those guys. You do have to, you know, there's a there's a reason that Tom Brady instilled so much confidence in his teammates. And it's because he had the reps. He was a, he was able to do that. And so. Um, I think at some point guys watch that, they see that they need, you need to put Mac, uh, the ball in his hands in a big spot. Sticking with the offense, you listed actually one, your most underrated player on every AFC team. And I found very interesting who you put for the Patriots, given some of the off season moves that were made last year, or some of the off season moves that were made this past year with trading away Shaq Mason. 
and and losing Ted Karras in free agency. And then you draft Cole Strange and all of that stuff. But the forgotten guy in all of this has been the guy that you listed for the Patriots, Michael Onwenu, who I think a lot of people are like, why would you let Shaq Mason go and replace him with a rookie? Well, you're not replacing him with a rookie. You're replacing him with Michael Onwenu, who is a guy who played very solid football when he was given the opportunity last year, even though for whatever reason, just chemistry or, or you know veteran presence, they they uh, used him more in a swing role last year. But it seems like they think he's ready to take over at right guard. What in particular makes you so bullish on Onwenu? I Just the versatility. I mean, you know, I, I think that he can play multiple positions well. Um, you know, you could have argued that he was probably the best sixth offensive lineman in like, you know, in modern NFL history. I mean, you know, and what, what did he play 13 or 30 snaps in that, uh, 30 rushing snaps in that bills game. I mean, he was as big a reason as anybody that they were able to execute a game plan like that. But I, I think it's just the size. It's the athleticism. Um, you know, this is an offense that obviously gets the ball out relatively quickly. And so you're always going to have to adjust your, um, your ratings on offensive linemen. They tend to get a little overrated and they'll even tell you that. I mean, you know, I remember talking to Ali Marpet about this um, when he was in Tampa and it's like, yeah, I mean, Tom is part of the reason that I'm such a highly rated offensive lineman because uh, there's never really a chance for him to get hit. And so I, I think Max a little bit different holds on the ball just a little bit longer, but that all that said, I mean, on when had a really good season last year. And I think he flashed in the games that he had the most opportunities. And, you know, to me, it just seems like a no brainer to slide him into that spot. I mean, he's 24, he's primed at this point. I mean, really is kind of like two starter type seasons under your belt. I mean, this is, um, you know, I I think he's going to be a good offensive line here for a long time. And it's interesting because in the aftermath of that, when people are asking me to explain, um, why you would trade Shaq Mason. He was your highest rated offensive player via pro football focus. It's like, actually, no, he wasn't. Michael Owenu was. And I feel like people forget that because he didn't play quite as much. And it's more of like a value thing, right? You you kind of see it as that, like, you know, Michael Owenu is a guy that, you know, maybe he can play to a similar level, but I mean, he obviously costs a whole lot less than Shaq Mason would. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a, um, you know, there's certainly a value element to it, right? I mean, I I think that there's no doubt about that. It's just, um, you know, it's how the league works and it's how the the economics um, with which the Patriots have been operating for a long time. And, you know, if you can get good interior offensive line help um, for not a lot of money, I mean, that's just like, you know, you're helping build the middle class of your roster in a way that other teams aren't going to have um, that similar advantage. And so, um, you know, I, I don't know what the what the long-term future is there. I mean, you know, he it seems to be sort of a factory a little bit, and they've been able to cross-train and produce really good offensive linemen and let them go. But I think he's got a lot of, um, you know, it, this kind of really unique athleticism to his game that I, I think could – could make him worth keeping around for a while. Speaking of being a factory up front, I mentioned Cole Strange, right? The guy that they drafted in the first round this past year that had everybody kind of shaking their heads, like wondering what what's going on, what's the plan here? Because this is a guy who is decidedly not what they have done in the past, which is draft 
fourth, fifth, sixth round interior offensive lineman and then and then just build them up and stick them in there. No, this time they invested in a guy who is one of the most athletic guard prospects to ever come out of the draft. I mean, he, he's, he's that crazily athletic. Um, but, you know, then you also had in, in the next round, you had Tyquan Thornton, who's really, really fast, but really skinny. Right. And, you, you know, kind of wondering uh, how that's all going to work out, especially after you just saw Nikhil Harry, the last high, highly drafted receiver, get traded away. And, and they haven't really been able to, to hit at that position. But I bring that up because your draft grade in the aftermath of, of uh, you know, this April was more positive on the Patriots than I think a lot of the immediate reaction was. Saw a lot of a lot of C's and D's and you know C minuses, things like that on, on the Patriots draft because of the surprise factor of the Cole Strange and Taekwon Thornton picks or drafting a quarterback in the fourth round or drafting two running backs, right? When everybody's like, why aren't you drafting more corners or linebackers or what have you? So I guess I'm I'm curious now that we are we're a couple of months away from that and, and now that we're actually about to see these guys play football like for real now. How how is your outlook on that draft class now? Do you feel like you know some of the kind of surprise and stuff like that is kind of even dissipated more? What do you think it says about about this team and what they're looking for in this class? Well, I think it's you know. I think the Packers have been complimented for years um, and athleticism is the number one um, factor in determining their draft classes. And uh, you know, I think the Patriots had their value board, you know, because Sean McVay and Les need thought Cole strange was going to be there in the third round. And uh, you know, a couple of draft experts, I guess, you know, doesn't mean that was necessarily so. I mean, you know, I think that there's a, a premium. And one of the things that I was thinking a lot about with this, uh, the Cole Strange pick in, in particular was there's such a premium now on athletic guard play that, um, you know, all these teams are running, not the Patriots, but all these teams are running outside zone, right? When you're going to need to off the snap, you're going to need to be moving, right? You're going to need to be sprinting. You're going to need to be beating your running back to a certain checkpoint. And so all these guards are getting snapped up. All these tackles are getting snapped up. I mean, you saw the Packers take a guy that at a Wake Forest, uh, I forget what round, but I mean, maybe a guy Zach that would come, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I don't think you would see him going in the top six rounds in another draft, but it's, you know, like the value is such right now. And if those are traits that Belichick also values, it's like, okay, you know, I want to do some other things with my other picks. Let me just get this guy so I know I have him and then move on. I mean, you know, with the draft, you, you know, I, I think we overrate the idea of like, okay, it has to look like this. It has to look like that. If you can get a player that's going to slot into a position for you, that's great. Now, Belichick's not infallible. I think that he's certainly made some mistakes drafting uh, over the years the reason behind the pick always seems somewhat sound, right? It's just whether or not it works out. And, you know, I, I don't think we can blame uh, either side really for it not consummating in this like beautiful long-term relationship, because you don't know how a player is going to get along with Bill, Bel Bill Belichick and try to survive in new England. You don't know uh, the other way around. I mean, you, you never know what these guys are going to do when they get into a building. And so sometimes it just doesn't just work out, but I think the Patriots are going athleticism, athleticism, athleticism. Both of these guys were 
um, obviously traits off the charts. And, um, you know, you hope that you can make it work then um, uh, via all the ways that you're going to design your offense. Your esteemed colleague, Albert Breer, uh, tabbed the Patriots as the team that had struggled the most this past offseason and pointed to the loss of Josh McDaniels as the offensive coordinator and some of the holes on defense in particular. We talked about the play caller issue a little bit and, and how that will be, you know, a storyline to keep track of. The other question is, how concerned are you about this defense? I mean, last year it was very much a defense run the ball kind of, of team. And, you know, that was how you're going to compete and stay in games. Will they be able to do that this year? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I, you know, I think with New England, they were my, them, them in Baltimore are really kind of one in one A with this. I don't think they're they're ever going to conform to what the rest of the league is doing. They're going to look at how they can kind of create their own advantages via what that's all setting up, right? So, like every team right now is designed in some way, shape, or form um, to stop this Shanahan offense, and so that creates a lot of opportunity. You know, that creates a lot of too high shell defense. That creates a lot of um, you know, athletic off ball linebackers, you know, resource allocation going in certain directions. And so New England's probably looking at it and saying, okay, what do we have? And how do we use that against the rest of the NFL? I mean, it's the same thing that the Ravens have been doing for years where it's like, okay, defenses are set up like this. So we're going to look a different way to beat them. And who cares if we look like anybody else? And so I think with the Patriots, um, you know, what you're seeing right now is just, assembling a roster that's going to be able to beat all different kinds of looks. And, you know, right now it might not make a whole lot of sense to us, but that's always sort of been the foundation, right. Of, of everything that he's tried to do. And so, um, you know, I don't know if Cole Strange and Tyquan Thornton get you there quite yet, but um, you know, I think they're off to a pretty good start. I mean, making the playoffs last year with Mac Jones and uh, you know, I, I, I can't see them. I cannot see them finishing anything less than second in that division. I, that would completely shock me. All right. We we will see. And kind of to, to finish up on that note, you do not have the Patriots on your short list of teams that you think will win a Super Bowl. But what do you think this Patriots team needs to do to make it back to the playoffs this year in a division and a conference that seems to have just gotten a whole lot better over the course of one off season. How, how do you see them being able to kind of defy the odds there? I, I don't think they're that far off. And to be honest, the fact that I didn't put them on that list of teams that's going to make it to the Super Bowl means that it's almost a guarantee that they're going to make it to the Super Bowl. I hope everyone, uh, realizes that, you know, I think I picked the Bengals to win like four games last year. So, um, uh, but you know, there's, there's just a lot of stuff and, and maybe I'm biased towards Belichick, obviously just with the track record of success, but everyone's worried about the corners. I think that's a position he knows better than any, really any other that he's dealt with before. And I think that if he was worried about it, you know, he would have, he would have gone after it. I mean, I think this is a solid team. I think it's built to do a lot of different stuff. I think they're going to bother a lot of different quarterbacks. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think they're almost there. You know, I think he needs a couple more of these foundational Belichick guys. I mean, the best of what we saw during the middle 2000s were those Dante Hightower, Jamie Collins kind of players. And, you know, maybe you just need a few more of those stalwart guys in there. Um, to run your system, but I, I don't think it's that far off. I really don't. And 
he could recollect some of those guys throughout the course of the season too, via trade or via cut. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him bring in some of these players back too. Yeah. And actually Dante Hightower has been one of the questions, right? Is, is he, is he really done or might he have a role more as a reserve or maybe an outside linebacker kind of situational pass rusher kind of thing. So yeah, I think, I think it'll be interesting, right? There are a couple of guys on that market, right? Dante Hightower, Jamie Collins, or Trey Flowers, where maybe they could still help this team because there, there might be a role for them. We will see. Connor Orr, once again, staff writer for Sports Illustrated and the Monday Morning Quarterback and the Monday Morning Quarterback podcast. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today and talking some Patriots football. No problem. That's all for today's episode of First in Foxborough. Be sure to tune in tomorrow as we continue counting it down to the beginning of training camp, which will start a week from tomorrow. I'm Kyrie Thompson, Patriots reporter for WEEI. Make sure you follow the show's accounts at First in Foxborough, F-O-X-B-O-R-O, on Twitter and Instagram. Follow me at KD Thompson 5 and I will see you tomorrow.